0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. You happen to be one of those people who watches the Major League Baseball playoffs? Yeah? No, I'm not. I'm not. Never have been. I spend the off-season... At least from the baseball perspective, just further thinking about the local franchise. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacovich of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins, the two teams that, as of today, are both active on our local sports scene. Word has it that there are baseball teams elsewhere active. I've just never gotten into it. I'm not sure why. I will watch the NFL playoffs. I will watch the Stanley Cup playoffs. I have no use whatsoever for what happens in baseball once the Pirates have been done. And I've been that way since childhood, and I can't even really explain it. It's just always been that way. So while presumably everybody else who's interested in baseball was watching, I don't know, whoever's left in the playoffs, I was thinking about Paul Skeens. This crossed my mind yesterday, I swear, on my birthday, no less, no real reason for it. But it crossed my mind that I've mentioned a couple of times on this show, and I've written at least a couple of times in columns. That I'd have no problem if the pirates bring up skeins, you know, in late May or early June or whatever the usual Super 2 timetable is. And the reason that I thought about it was that I don't actually feel that way. And I didn't word it particularly well. So if that sounds to you like I'm about to give you a walk back, I'm not, really. It's more a point of clarity than anything else. My view of Skeens as to where he is right now as a pitcher, as it applies to being big league ready, is that he could probably, probably benefit from a month or two in the minors. Anyone who paid attention to what he was doing after the draft and what the team was doing with him, It was just a series of one inning, hello, and wave to everybody and say that he achieved a certain level and call it a day. They didn't want to stretch him out in any way, and I completely supported that. I didn't like Skeens' inning count at LSU. I thought it bordered on abuse, to be honest with you, by the time he got to the College World Series. And I would have been just fine if they had said, listen, kid, here's your nine point two five million dollar bonus. Don't spend it all in one place and don't pitch until we all get back to Braden to next February. I would have been totally all right with that as it was. They seemed to manage it okay. I think he only ended up totaling six and two thirds innings over his various stops. Like each one was just an inning at a time. And then near the end, it got kind of clumsy because he was on the main broadcast of the parent club. And he blurted out that he was feeling some general fatigue. And what do you know, the next day, just like magic, they cancel his final <laughs> minor league start. Like, oops. But whatever, no harm, no foul. And he was shut down at that point, And that was it. Here's Here's where I want to issue the clarification, though. Let's say that Skeens comes into spring training, and I'm talking about from the point of pitchers and catchers, and you see what this kid can do. You see the stuff, you see the velocity, you see the poise, and he gets into Grapefruit League games against big league hitters. And you can have that arranged. You can have that be something where he just lines up at the very beginning of the game, maybe only pitches an inning or two, whatever but you get to see some of it and you like what you see. And then he begins building up. Then he gets stronger and he gets more confident. Then he feels more like he belongs and you still haven't sent him down. And let's take it further, even though this shouldn't technically matter for a prospect, but just throwing it in there. Let's say that he's the best pitcher the pirates have, not best in terms of potential, best right on the spot. That they've got throughout the month of March. Let's say, just for argument's sake, that he's everything that you'd hope at that stage without overstating it, without, you know, coming in and suggesting that he's the next Nolan Ryan or whatever, but that he's everything that you'd hope for at that stage. If the pirates, Allow themselves to dig enough of a hole for themselves where they allow schemes to show this much. That actually might be the key. And then they decide to send him down. And it's super crazy transparent that the only reason they're doing it is to save a few bucks on Super 2 arbitration a handful of years from now. No, that's not okay. If their primary motivation for sending this kid down, I'm going to say this again, is to save money and not even that much three years down the road. That's not okay. And that should be called out by absolutely everyone having even the most remote interest in this franchise. Because there's no reason. For the Pirates to be thinking about saving a few bucks three years down the road when it comes to this kid, this special kid, and their own stance that the 2024 season is the first one out of this management's tenure that'll matter from a contention standpoint. They should have nowhere to hide in that event. Now, I'm telling you guys a lot that I don't believe in preemptive anger, so I'm not going to get all goofy here over something that hasn't happened. Here's hoping that they do the right thing. Here's also hoping that the other scenario that I offered leading into this happens as well because you want Skeens to be that special kid. So if you want to know what I think is a realistic scenario out of all this it's that Skeens would mow some people down early the pirates would convene amongst themselves and say all right that's enough and then send him down to minor league camp just remember where you heard it when we come back j1q this portion of daily shot of pirates is brought to you by our friends at north shore tavern that's directly across federal street Today's J1Q comes from John, who, in reference to yesterday's episode that was about David Bednar and his waving the terrible towel at the Steelers game at the invitation of the team and being a big part of the renegade cheer and all that other stuff, John says, DK, this is exactly why I don't think the Pirates should trade Bednar. Pittsburgh embraces their own and loves a blue collar folk hero. Bednar is both. He's also been one of the five best closers in the game. For a couple seasons now, Ben Charrington would do well to lock him up on a long-term deal. John, I'm not immune to this type of thinking. I, I never have been. I'm a big believer in the sentimentality of sports. And I love a good local lad story as much as the next guy. Especially when it's a Pittsburgh kid playing in Pittsburgh. There's something that's just different about that but one thing i'd always be careful to do is to separate that from any any conversation about a contract yeah it's in the mix the pirates use bednar in a lot of ways and they should he's their employee they're paying him he's got to listen And he takes care of business for them. He really does. He's a great, not good, but great soldier when it comes to promoting the brand. But when you're talking about contracts, someone like a Charrington, someone with his personality, real analytical, mathematical, whatever it is that you want to use as a label there, he's going to see and hear and feel all that stuff himself about Bednar, the warm and fuzzy, including being the team's Roberto Clemente Award nominee. But it's going to have to show in the stats. It's going to have to show in the potential value and not to mention the risk slash reward factor closers. They don't often get paid at this stage of a pitcher's career. And Taking that further, they don't often get paid by lower revenue teams like the Pirates. What you'll see is some $250 million team or whatever that's in the playoffs, and they have a hard time getting through a certain round. They get frustrated because somebody blew a lead along the way, and they'll go and spend a gazillion dollars on some big name with some dramatic entrance music and everything else and everyone thinks their problem is magically solved. It it tends not to be, but they think that, and therefore the value gets assigned at a certain level. You don't see that with teams like the Pirates, the Brewers, and others. There's a general belief, in fact, among most GMs, regardless of their revenue scale, that closers are dispensable closers can be replaced fairly easily if you think about the pirates own history it's kind of weird but over the last 20 years for all the failure they've had as a franchise man can they find themselves some closers right they got closers you go back to i'd say maybe starting with mike williams and then just work your way on you can come up with a wonderful list of guys who got it done in the ninth inning, and in a lot of cases, guys who ended up making the bulk of their money somewhere else, mostly because it just didn't make sense to pay them in Pittsburgh. Not ma- This one's not a matter of being cheap. The thing that I mentioned in the opening segment is, this isn't. This is just, you know what, we're just going to make somebody else the closer then. Bednar is an outstanding closer, Bednar is an outstanding citizen. I am so totally with you, I hope he can find a way and the team can find a way to make something happen for a long time to come but i really wouldn't begrudge the pirates on this one and i definitely wouldn't shove the local thing in their faces i appreciate the question i appreciate everyone who listens to daily shot of pirates gonna do another one of these tomorrow